Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I wasn't as committed today with the dancing, I, but I show up for it. I dance. Sure. I just, I just didn't break a, as much of a sweat as you can because you can... You can do um, low impact version where you you just walk in, walk in place in the back corner, or like make breakfast and coffee and just tap your feet. You know. Oh yeah, no, I uh, I'm fully committed every class. I love I take it. it very seriously. Um, I work up a sweat. I still have this like weird tweak hip injury, which mm. happened right before, right like right I, when we got put in shelter in place, which is yes. better. And I can get nutso to a point and then my hip goes and then I have to like, then I have to like walk in place for a while. You have to do the dance move called the old lady walker with tennis balls on it. Yeah. It's called the like, bitch, your body's not what it used to be. Tango. Well, you guys, welcome to Sidework Podcast. I'm yeah. your host, Brooke Van Poplin. Uh, hi, guys. I'm your other host, Andrea Wallace. We are both forever in workout clothing. Always now, it's totally fine. Isn't I like, <laughs> I like, I get up. I mean, I do kind of have a routine where I like, I get up and I, we're usually up by like eight. Like eight seems to be like what's good these days. I don't like to be up earlier than that. Um, and then we drink coffee. Brian and I drink coffee. Then we like chill. Then we get up. Then we exercise. Then I choose to stay sweaty and clean and get other things done. And then I shower. So there's a good, there's a good three hour window out of the day where I'm like clean and in like proper clothing. And then I'm just like, and then I'm just like, why is my bra on? You know? (laughs) I, yeah, I do have neighbors who I do converse with on the, on the new property. So the bra for the most part does stay on because they don't know me well enough to know how low the girls go, you know, I right. think once, once they, you know, know me on a, on a more intimate bra off level, then I'll just waltz around this compound. Right. And no obviously I have to put, um, I do have to put a, a sports bra on to dance, which now is an oh. underwear sports bra and it's fucking broke. And now there's like a, there's a wire like sticking through it. So like li- literally like 15 times through class, I have to like push a sharp wire back into my bra it's so great i'm having so much fun quarantine is really throwing a wrench in my plans i can't i can't replace my my fucking underwire bra Uh, you can fashion one out of a hanger okay a hanger (laughs) and a t-shirt i'm gonna do two face masks real big ones (laughs) and just duct tape them to my tits (laughs) 
No, but for real, you can't bra. do that dance uh, workout with no bra on it. Just, it, it you know, I'm, I'm going to Mad Max that sports bra is what I'm going to do. I God. do have this double-sided duct tape, so I, I think I might just lift them and shape them into the way I wish they <laughs> actually looked on my body. duct tape. I love yeah, it. Exactly. Oh my God. Well, you guys, we wanted to start off with um, a headline for sure. Um, you know, and this, and I think I've mentioned it before, just like, we feel like California is like ahead of the curve. At least I feel that way as far as like setting like a precedent, like being an example I'll say that, of like what's really, you know, um, going to be the outcome. So Gavin Newsom talked a couple days ago, and he didn't outline specifically on what restaurants and diners and bars might all look like um, once we are start to slowly uh, reopen the country. So basically, it's going to look um, half full restaurants and dining rooms, if you guys haven't heard this, is going to be a common way to start, you know, basically to promote physical distancing. So they'll probably mm -hmm. be, um, I'm sure, measured to a T, six feet between tables, you know, your server is probably going to be wearing a mask, probably going to be wearing gloves. Um, bars certainly aren't going to look like what they used to. So I do think it is going to be a thing where <laughs> those restaurants that you thought were harder to get in to before all this, boy, oh boy, good luck now. Good luck now. Also, if you thought your work uniform was annoying before this, get ready. Oh my God. But, oh, are we going to put flair on our, on our N95 masks now? Oh my God. Do we have, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. This is a special certified TGI Fridays, uh, mask face mask that we wear. It is part of my flair. My whole face is flair or like something like a face mask with like a, like a, like a Joker smile on the outside. I know. Be fun. Oh my God. I think what it's going to come down to though is, um, I don't know. In my head the other day, I was like, maybe somebody open a theme restaurant and it'll be like a sterile doctor's office and everybody will be dressed as like, or it'll be like a dentist office restaurant. <laughs> God, this is going to get weird. I mean, listen, I'm not going to lie. There have been times at the job where I wish I had like a plexiglass sneeze guard just covering my face every time I approach a gross table, especially with kids. Oh, yeah. Ew. I'm already looking into sneeze guards for when I go back to work. I was like, I need a face shield that I can reuse. So I need to have a mask and a face shield and gloves. Like these are all things that are very realistic that we're all going to have to start thinking about. Do you remember when I had that weird idea for a sketch of a theme restaurant where everything is tongs? Like yes. everything is served <laughs> Like even trying to like use, you know, like um, sterile tongs to like serve a drink off a tray and grab them and slippery and you can't quite get it. But I love it. Yeah, I just I'm love ready. All, all the extra showmanship that's going to come out of like going these extra steps of steam seeming really sterile. I think we just need to say right now, so much more fucking side work is going to. Oh my God. I Listen, like. Right. Instead of, uh, you know, the, like the fancy places that give like the hot towels on the plane, <laughs> you're just going to walk up and Lysol the fucking table, just blast everyone Absolutely. in the face and be like, I'm sorry, sir. This is for our safety. And instead of like mince at the end of the meal, you'll get like a squirt of hand sanitizer. Oh, <laughs> uh, we should really lean into this and, and, and I mean, we can riff on this models for uh, the whole show, but we do have a show. <laughs> it's 
to progress with. Nick and Amber, thanks. Really nice to FaceTime with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, Andrea. Hi, bro. So you guys are calling in from Fort Worth, you and Amber? Yep, from just south of Fort Worth in a little town called uh, Crowley. Okay, right on. And so we were emailing, we read one of your stories on last week's episode. It's the one with the uh, people uh, resorting to call y'all motherfuckers because <laughs> you didn't, you know, have the fajitas when they when they needed them. Yeah, y'all need to do a little bit of work uh, on letting people know that you're closed. You have a sign to, or to-go orders, call this phone number, no one answers the phone. Like I see people walking out with bags, but the door's locked. So y'all need to get your shit straight and let us know if you're closed or not, because there's other places to go. Have a great day, motherfucker. Yeah, but but at the same time, like like totally drunk and high going through pickup line? Is that right? <laughs> All of it. <laughs> we had a guy, this just happened on Sunday. Um, he called in and placed his order and it was a, a large order. It was a little over a hundred dollars. And he called and he was like, Hey, I'm sitting in the parking lot. Can I have my beer? And we were like, no. And he goes, well, I paid for it. I want my beer. And we said, well, we can bring it out to you with your food. And he goes, no, I want my beer. So we, we took him out his bottle of beer. We taped it did all the things we we're supposed to do. Right popped it open and drank it. He was like, it's fine. I'll give you a good tip. <laughs> he tipped us 80 on a hundred, which was fine, but he wanted his beer right then and there. Right. So I mean, his Texas, problem at that point. <laughs> when did Texas actually outlaw open carry? It hasn't been that long, right? Um, We've never been was, able to open no, carry. Yeah we, yeah, we have been able to. There, there was an open container law until I was about seven. So a little over 20 years now. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm like, People Andrea, open carry guns. <laughs> talking about guns, Andrea. Uh, yeah, carry. You know, carry alcohol is what I meant. So you guys are staying at least part-time really busy right now at your place of employment doing uh, yes. uh, takeout, right? Yes, yeah. The, we have, we're in a bit of a transition period when all this started, so we have an abundance of managers and they're prioritizing them over everybody else, obviously. So we're down to three days a week, the two of us, and... Mm -hmm. uh, that, but like I said, it's a small family restaurant, so there's a lot of couples, um, a few married couples, and, a, mm -hmm. and so uh, they're trying to keep everyone together and working there that are wow. couples because the managers are part of those couples. So. And then just not bringing in a bunch of extra people because if for some reason one of us does get sick, it's at least contained within the group that's been working. Totally. Right. That it, Honestly, it's really smart because it just adds more control groups, you know, to the, they know that you guys are doing the same things together. It's less, um, less unknown factors entering the fray. So that, that's actually really smart. At first I was like, what's up with all the, with all the favoritism towards couples? This is fucking bullshit. Can a single person catch a break? There's a few, um, it just, it happens to be that the spouse or the partner of the manager is one of the top servers because they mm -hmm. are a pop server even before they became a couple. Right. Well, well, well. You know what's yeah. weird is that our topic this week is actually working with your significant other. Isn't that funny? <laughs> That's hilarious. That is funny. We actually, we were together for about a year before we started working together and everyone's like, how do you do it? And so, I don't know. It just <laughs> happens. 
Do you guys feel like now that you're kind of in the throes of everything COVID and just trying to like get through the day, is it, is it, are you guys doing okay? Like, I mean, we don't have to ask about your relationship, but do you feel like, has it brought you closer together? Has it, is it more stressful on you guys? (laughs) We have a really weird relationship. Um, We've been together for about 10, 10 years now, Um, 11 years in November and we started dating when I was 16. My parents asked him to move in six months after we started dating. And we've lived together, worked together, shared a car, and taken college classes together for 10 years. So wow. we're not a good people to ask about relationship. Right, right. One at this point. Yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, it's like, it's like, well, yeah, of course this is something we would do together all the time. Like oh, yeah. now that, wow. And, and for the listeners, you know, who don't have a visual on you guys at the moment, I just want to let you know, they're ba- both actually just wearing one big t-shirt with their head <laughs> coming out the middle and an arm out each side. I so I, I get anything, it. Brooke, Cause we do not judge here. I no, mean, we don't judge our fellow servers, but like, <laughs> The one good thing about all of this, though, is since he's still doing Uber and DoorDash and all of that stuff, at like 8.30, I'm like, okay, bye. I'm go to bed now. So I get a little bit of a break. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so, Nick, uh, definitely that's kind of what spurred on um, wanting to talk even even more so is, you know, this past week, I, I feel like as we're ordering carry out when we need it because we're trying to stay out of public and avoid the big spaces like grocery stores. I I personally have just been blown away by what little protections some of the delivery people are taking or people are like, yeah, just come on into my house. I'm not wearing a mask. This is, you know, been our hazard zone. How, how are you, um, how are you basically navigating that? So the last time I uh, contacted you about it, I I wasn't wearing a mask, but Uh then I read that the CDC was now advising people to wear them to prevent spreading it to other people. So since then, I've gotten one, and I'm also required to wear one at the restaurant when running up deliveries mm-hmm. for things to customers. So I am doing that. I'm constantly using hand sanitizer. Um, one of the companies that I deliver food for, DoorDash, they provided some hand sanitizer and stuff at cost of shipping. So that was really nice considering all the stores are out of it. And, and <laughs> but, wipes. Yeah, and wipes. And right. I mean, things. that's huge because it's like every time you even make like a little contact, like even as as much as you're trying to like, you know, you don't want to drop someone's food yeah. per se, but it's, it's like just even the, um, I mean, we're all getting neurotic, just the uh, sort of intellectual feeling of going in your car and sort of like re-sterilizing your environment. Like, dude, I, I'm, I'm hanging on to like my last three wipes for a special occasion. Oh my God, right. for sure. Um, I, you know, until they invent that big, you know, that big delivery fishing pole for you to <laughs> d- dangle your Chinese food on, I think, you know, just got to use that hand sanitizer. Yeah. You do. And so what? what's some of the stuff you've seen? I mean, I'm sure it's good, bad, ugly, you know. Um, you know, it's a lot of people that just like worn out from dealing with their kids a lot more than often. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. But, uh, didn't you have someone that was mad that you just sat it on the doorstep? Yeah, I did have a, so a lot of the delivery companies now are advising that uh, we drop the order at the door, ring the doorbell, and then walk to our cars before they answer. Yeah. And um, so that's great for me because, yes. I, I mean, interacting over text messages is enough. <laughs> what I need to do so but I have had a customer just get completely belligerent with me because I set her food on the ground in front of her door but um 
you know, that's that's a rarity. Well, time to <laughs> put a chair outside. Time to put it. something outside to put your food on, if that's the right. case. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know what y'all's front porches look like, but mine looks like a contagion staging. Like, there are just, like, rubber gloves hanging over the railing, <laughs> my bottle of bleach, yeah, my outdoor shoes. Shoes, yeah. <laughs> outdoor <Yep>. shoes. <laughs> My like nine, yeah, my COVID shoes, which I call them, and I didn't pick correctly. I was like, I really like these shoes, but now they're my virus shoes, you know. Yeah. Um, and do you feel like with having between the two of you having some shifts at the restaurant and you, you know, at least getting some hours and hopefully some generous and empathetic tips coming from delivery, or are you guys kind of making ends meet? Have you been able to access funds elsewhere? Oh yeah, and we, we honestly, we feel a little bit guilty about working at the restaurant because we're not Don't. there full time normally. Don't, yeah. But we're, we're doing our best to help them out mm -hmm. as a business. So that's kind of the way we're looking at it. But she works full time for a school district. So it's just been a slight change for her. You know, we're talking to you from her workstation, which is our kitchen table right now. Yeah, yeah. So, but, um, you know, so she's still working full time and bringing in the same income and then has the added opportunity of being able to work at the restaurant a little bit more than she was. And uh, I'm, I'm working a lot less, but I'm making about the same because people are being generous. I'm wow. doing a lot of grocery delivery too, which wow. is a whole nother thing, but <laughs> sure. Uh, I've done pretty good on that. So that's yeah, great. You guys, that's really good to hear. I mean, it's almost like you're so busy. You don't even have time to like stop and think about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I could do the whole like actual quarantine thing. Like even we work Friday, Saturday, Sundays at the restaurant. So Monday through Thursday I'm at home. I'm like, that's four days and by like Thursday I'm I'm outside in the yard planting stuff or trying to do anything because mm -hmm. four days is too much. <laughs> For sure. Um and then do you have you seen in your community are you one of a f only a few restaurants or a lot of restaurants in your uh surrounding areas pivoting to definitely doing like carry out and then also providing their ability to get from all their local providers and producers of like food and paper goods are they turning um their restaurants also into pantries? Yeah, so the, the restaurant that we work in is in like a old town, like a s historic area. Mm -hmm. it was a, our location is actually used to be a grocery store in the 1800s or something. But um, so all the locations around us, all the other restaurants, a few of them shut down immediately as soon as it started and then realized they could still do good business by seeing us doing okay and reopened. Cool. So a lot of them have... Now, they, they whether or not they're successful is yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's their story. business. No, yeah. right. um, and there's, there was some confusion. The legislation in Texas on alcohol sales during this time is a little worded a little bit strangely. It says something about mixed drinks are okay, but then in another part of it, it says they have to be the alcohol has to be contained. So there's a few restaurants just bottling up uh, margaritas in a gallon and selling them. Yes, that's, yeah. That's kind of what we were doing at the beginning and then realized it was kind of sketchy. And then the TABC, which is our alcohol governing body. They, said that tequila is not a mixed drink. Yeah. Uh, margaritas are not mixed drinks. Yeah. So Yes, they yeah. are. <laughs> no? So we had to change and we've advised so other you're just businesses. you calling it something you know? else? Are you just not calling it a margarita? 
No, we, we've had to <laughs> well, redo it to where now we're not doing the pre-made everything. We're calling it a DIY margarita kit. Yes. So Love it's like it. the sweet and sour sealed by itself. And then it's all the little hotel bottles of tequila separately. <laughs> that's so, that's kind of so fun though. I feel. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I was just going to say also that, uh, uh, probably like the FDA, I'm, maybe I'm not thinking of the right organization that oversees this, but at this moment in time, they're completely, they've gone so lax on what restaurants are allowed to sell. Cause prior to this, you weren't allowed to um, take your bulk items and turn around and be like, and also a roll of our toilet paper, for, you know, but so the, a lot of the restrictions have eased up for the ability to them to sell what they have access to to already and it's been fantastic because i've had two uh restaurant grocery store i'm like yeah throw in some toilet paper screw it i don't want to get up at 7 a.m for the toilet paper hunt i'm really trying to stay out of public so it's good to know that at the very least um the overseers of the safety of this and what's allowed and legal they're just kind of turning a blind eye right now because everyone's so concerned with the economy completely collapsing so um unfortunately we haven't seen many places do something like that we had one place that if you bought a coffee mug they would give you a roll of toilet paper um but more like the the pantry type things a lot of the school districts and the churches around oh. us have started they're giving out three free meals a day to any kid under the age of 18 um, they're doing all these crazy things, and the district that I work for just put out a big thing. They they did fifty thousand meals in a week. Wow, for all kids. That's, I love all these stories. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, well, do you guys have any words of advice for our listeners before we part ways? Well, I'd say um, just if if you are in a position to. Have help out your restaurant and uh, just be aware of what's going on and the legality of things that are changing. I know that uh, the restaurant that's next door to us is still serving alcohol in a technically illegal way and we've tried to give them advice and mm -hmm. but really it all boils down to just like understanding that everybody else is in this too. Um, we've uh, came close to starting drama with other restaurants nearby us just because they'll, they'll be like um, I don't want to put anyone on blast, but uh, we had a manager from another location. His wife commented on a customer complaint on our Facebook and basically said, if you don't like the way they're selling margaritas, we're selling them in a gallon and, and for $40 instead of $20. It's like cool time to poach, you dumb dumb, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, and the, the best thing that I've heard recently that I, has kind of kept me going is, don't just go through this. We're growing through it. So yeah. like, literally everybody yeah. in, that we've been working with has been so flexible and willing to share ideas. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We're going to figure out something else that works better. And it, we're, we're growing every day as a, as a family, as a restaurant, as a community through this. It's, it's a learning process for everybody. So. Totally. Yeah. I love that so you can, much. I said that better, right? You know, yeah. Um, yeah. awesome. Well, it was really dope i'm so glad you guys made some time to yeah, check absolutely. in with us and yeah, it was great talking to you <laughs> yeah you guys thanks again um uh, honestly i think that was the he gave us a here's a tip i mean perfectly well done both amber and nick great tips i must say and um we'll definitely keep in touch let's keep in contact and let us know any updates we can uh you know check in again on the scene uh, going on in fort worth 
Worth, Texas. Sorry. Yeah. Worth, uh, I'm done talking for the day. I'm talked out. <laughs> I know. I know. But we can endearingly say, like, you know, you motherfuckers take care, right? <laughs> Great job, motherfuckers. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thanks for talking. Godspeed. Good health. Okay. All right. That was an amazing uh, COVID submitted content uh, check in with Nick and Amber. And we have uh, also a quick one, a server submitted story. Awesome. So this one comes from a listener who I got after. She's like, I have so many stories. And I was like, send them, bitch. And uh, so Nicole what Stukenberg. What else do you have to do than just be like, send it, bitch? Like, that's what you say when you like, order food and order groceries fucking send it back send it (laughs) drop it on my porch and run (laughs) that's the news send it um so not only did she send stories she did what i'm going to encourage all of you to now do she got every one of her former 4am bartending co-workers together to reminisce stories from the job and what she has delivered is basically a novel worth of epic 4 a.m. Chicago workplace bartending stories. So we are just going to dive into a little bit about the uh, place real quick and then one story and then it's going to be a lot of to be continued. Wow. I'm so excited, Nicole. Like truly, she and she's a good writer too. So this is so fun to share. I fucking love that we have an ongoing novella that we get to read from now. All right. So she says, hey guys, hope you're hanging in there. Uh, I called a few of my 4 a.m. bartending crew to stroll down memory lane with me for your entertainment. Uh, She tells me the name of the bar, but I'm not going to I'm not going to say what it is, even though it's out of business. um, A a lot of illegal shit happened. So, so I worked at going to leave it blank for about six years, both part-time and full-time. I'm guessing Andrea and I, she guesses maybe we were both there. So we'll have to talk about this off the record. (laughs) And she's like, and if you did it right, you remember nothing. I've worked in every sort of bar and restaurant. A a 4am bar is on a level of its own, as we know. Uh, She says the perfect, purpose of this next part is to set the scene so you know exactly what sort of planet these stories take place on um she's like and she says everything i'm about to tell you is with love i loved every crooked piece of this shithole um so we'll jump in paint a picture of what this place is like and i I might dip back in to paint the picture so i'll give you a first hint of what not named bar is like okay so she starts, there was never a POS system in the bar for the entirety of its existence. Remember this, it's going to be relevant later. <laughs> the registers were rigged with two receipt rolls, one that kept track of what we rang in and one that printed a fraction of those prices. The booze was all cut with well liquor, every bottle. Wow. Even the fireball had well whiskey in it. The liquor sh- <laughs> The liquor shelves staircased into the window wells. The top shelf vodka sat closest to the glass and would get ice crystals in it in the winter. We all know vodka does not freeze. So she says cutting liquor is fine for 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. The problem was this place was also a sports bar. The daytime people know when the Jack tastes funny. So do I. Fucking Pickwick bowling alley. Um <laughs> And she says, we, of course, could not admit anything. This made for extremely amusing conversations in which we denied 
everything. So that's just one dive into painting what this, uh, what this um, locale was like. So basically she says, I'm going to start by telling you a couple of glorious war stories that happened before my time. I had the pleasure of hearing these first-hand accounts. The bar itself has existed for 30 odd years, but it was bought in 2000 by two brothers who bartended there for the previous owner. One of the brothers is a police officer and a lawyer. The other is a professional security guard. They knew all the rules so that they knew how to break them. The following five paragraphs are a few of the most loved stories by the staff, the ones we begged them to tell us over and over and over again amidst tears of laughter. So here's chapter one. Just a quick one that we'll dip in. When the brothers purchased the bar, they were both in their 20s. 20-year-olds should not own 4 a.m. bars. That's a fact. Yeah, yeah. That's You can put that on a t-shirt. Mm -hmm. In the bar's early years, they had a lobster tank installed. <laughs> Live lobsters in a tank, just like a grocery store, but with a claw like an arcade game. The rule was, if you caught a lobster... They would make it for you free of charge at any time. Do you know what drunk people do with a oh. lobster at 4 a.m.? The lobster would come out of the kitchen, and before you could blink twice, it would be crowd surfing. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're oh, well, I have to think about, like, because this my lobster was like, I mean, I got the arcade game. I was like, like an arcade. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? So someone got to like navigate a claw like from Toy Story like down up to grab. Crustacean with claws is getting clawed at and yanked out of a tank. She said the lobster tank survived for six months before PETA picketed. Sure. To be, to be continued, but oh, it just goes from there. So we are so excited. Um, and so again, guys, keep sending server submitted stories. Yeah. Uh, we want to hear from you and, and use this as an excuse to get on a Zoom or a call with your old coworkers. Totally. I, I think this is really the time as I think we're all sitting and reflecting. I mean, people, and I mentioned before, people from my fucking high school want to like Zoom chat, which like, I don't understand that whatsoever. But I think now is the time. No, no thanks to that. Worst stories, best stories, war stories, weird stories, like anything you guys remember, send it our way. We'd love to read it. We, I think it's a great time to reminisce. All right, you guys are awesome. Thanks as always for sending in stories. Um, so you guys, please welcome uh, to the podcast our, our dear friend, David Crabb, who we've had on before, and his lovely partner, uh, this is, is it Jack John Perry? How do, should I say it all in the... <laughs> uh, it, yeah, that's fine, actually. <laughs> Jack Perry stage name, John Perry legal name, Jack John Perry is the whatever. Well, I think you just did it yourself. So where, how about, <laughs> how about we don't mess with that? You gave every explanation of all your aliases. Yes. Let's be honest, they're just, aliases. I guess kind of fill people in. Um, you guys have been quarantined from each other for how long now? Uh, about, a, about a month, right? Yeah, yeah, a month, a month. For just, I, I'm immunosuppressed. So uh -huh. I got kind of a, a weird little flurry, at, like right as it was getting real in the culture. I feel like Jack and I, Jack, I don't know, you, I feel like we're maybe a week or 10 days ahead of everyone else, like in terms of like l orange level, red level, like because right as it was happening, all my doctors were like, you can't get this. Please don't get this. Just don't get this, okay, David? And I was joking. I went and saw a dermatologist one day for like a super run-of-the-mill 
like when you're on my immunosuppressant, you have to see a few doctors. You know, they just check. Mm -hmm. Like she's just a lady that looks at my arms and like, no, you're good. Get out. And on the way out of her office, she like stood by the door. It was very film noir. And she's like, you know, you can't get this, right? And I was like, okay. When the lady that checks you for moles is like that uh, David Lynch with you, it's like, okay, cool. Wow. So, yeah. So, yeah. And so how did, because you guys are living under the yeah. same roof and you haven't seen one another uh, in a month. So I am a, I'm an actor and when I'm not acting, I'm a piano teacher. I'm a right, yes. Teacher. So up until about March 15th, mm -hmm. um, I was, I have about 25 students, to tw 25 to 30 students a week. So I go to their homes and I sit next to them and I play their piano and we're very close quarters. And this was, all leading up to March 15th and um, the week before I had sent an email because Davey and I were kind of a little bit thankfully ahead of it. And I, you mm -hmm. know, like, please wipe down your piano. I will not be shaking your hand and kind of all this stuff. Um, and then it just became slowly, but then suddenly rapidly uh, very clear that I couldn't do this anymore. Yeah. Um, and that it was clear how COVID-19 was working and sort of uh, being transmitted and that I could easily just give it to my husband and not know. Right. So um, we just looked at each other one day and said, you, you got to go. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and I, I mean, I have, I'm here at the apartment and the piano is here and I give now remote lessons to all of my 25 students. I didn't wow. Do any. Um, and so I got the apartment and the dog um, and Davey has now lived in two different places, but has been mainly in one um, that is thankfully 10 minutes away from here. That's great. Yeah. Brooke, so we, we actually see each other almost every day. Uh, okay, got it. I, I will, I'm, I'm right across from the big blue Scientology dormitory. So I'm mm. looking at oh, okay, great. Right I know exactly and, where you are. Yep, yep. And, uh, you know, we're, we're further, uh, we're just a little down the road, so, uh, almost every day, may at least every other day, we will meet for like, we'll walk the dog together in our masks mm -hmm. or we'll go to the roof mm -hmm. at the old place and just sort of chill 10 feet apart and like shoot the shit. And, uh, nice. So do yeah. you get to, can you not touch Frankie Bosco, who is your adorable dog? You know, that's one of those whole, it's so hard with this stuff because it's so psychosomatic. Yeah. Right. Uh, Attic insane. Um, it feels like you are I mean, I think everyone's going through this. I mean, everyone, mm -hmm. everyone I've talked to, regardless of their level of health, is having like the, I started the day putting on gloves and felt safe, but then I realized that I put on the one glove before I did the other, but at this point I'd already touched the garbage. So I thought maybe if I spray down the garbage and the gloved hand, but take off, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like everyone's having that. And I think when you have this autoimmune thing, like it's like, feels really big. So when I go visit Jack, like a few times, like if I'm in a super crazy mood, I will pet Frankie with gloves, which is very difficult mm -hmm. because then you get like, I get all of his like very thick weave uh, stuck in my plastic gloves. <laughs> and then sometimes I will not have like gloves on and I'll just be and like, you know, I mean, what are you gonna, what are you gonna do? I mean, the thing at this point that Jack and I keep telling ourselves is that as long as much as I've been on intense quarantine for a little over four weeks, he's clocking over three now. So right in his lifestyle, like he's gone to the store and stuff, but mm -hmm. you know, basically in a hazmat suit. Yeah. 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 And I, I, <laughs> yeah, today's, 
today is the, well, today or tomorrow, I find out whether or not I have it. And the way the doctor framed it was, you're, you're clear on the, co- on the antibodies, which means you've never had it. And the chances of you uh, having it now are 90% zero. Like you don't, you, you don't have it 90%. I don't know how to phrase that. I'm like, okay. But there's like a 10% chance that you could have contracted it in the past three to five days. And that's what this test is for. Got it. Which, and, which um, you'll get, yeah, tomorrow. Which I'll get today or tomorrow. So I don't know why I'm bringing this up because this was- Well, be- no, because if 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 it does become positive because of a very recent, then then you have to probably give it another two weeks at least. Oh, yeah. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. So that's what you're, that's the big thing is either you're redining tomorrow or re-upping on uh, the uh, no uh, touchy, no touchy, uh, no creepy. No yeah, problem. and, they, and I, I think, I, know, I remember now, it's like, Monday, I got the test, and of course, the whole time I sat there and I was like, what is going to come positive? Because the antibody test is very fast. You get it in 10 minutes. They tell I, you, they, they, pr- they prick your thumb, and then you pull over in your car, um, and you just wait. And, you like pre-prick uh, your thumb? Or no, oh, they prick it, then you pull over, and then they tell you. Got it. Oh, that yeah. would be amazing. Right? I, I, pre-prick I, your thumb. <laughs> <laughs> People bleeding in their car for hours. Do I do I stop it bleeding? Is this right? Ooh, a, I feel woozy. Uh, so I was sitting there just like totally like, oh my God. You know, Davey and I likened it to when, you know, we would get you get an AIDS test, an HIV mm-hmm. test, right? And you are certain. But in that 24 hours leading up to the test. Everything switches and you are certain that you, you start to question die. everything you've done up until that point. <laughs> those, those, the, the two, the two dates you had in the last year where you barely necked, suddenly you're the biggest whore and you deserve <laughs> what's done. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, it is funny cause we've been together for, 16. I, mean, I guess 2004 is what we like really, really count. And yeah. it, it's weird to be like this age, this far past epidemic mm-hmm. and yeah. I was telling Jack I was like man this has so many like feels and shades of do you remember you and me seven eight months into being together sitting at Ryan Nina in the Lower East Side terrified waiting to find out if we were like HIV positive I mean it, I mean for such a different reason but it was it was right. weird yeah. It's um, it's bringing up a lot of PTSD for people who, yeah. you know, feel like they've gotten past what they thought previously was maybe the hardest thing they'd have to deal with, you yeah, know, in their time. Even sickness, you know, I know people who their lives were completely ruined in 2008 when the crash happened then. And like, they're having like major PTSD, like, will I lose my job? What's how, how will I live? You know, there's a lot out there. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I, uh, there's no question that I've been experiencing that with Davey because of his autoimmune uh, disease and Crohn's and, you know, having been there throughout all the flare ups and all the times when you really feel completely helpless as the partner of the person going through that, there's only so much you can do. Right. And then you sort of have your own PTSD from that mm-hmm. experience. Totally. Um, and that has been like front and center for me personally, of just like reliving all of this fear. It's this fear. It's just anxiety. It's manifesting in like the strangest. I mean, this is the most ever it's been for me in Davey and mine's like 16 years together. Um, by no by no fault of anyone's, right? Right. right. Maybe Crohn's is not something he chose to have, and and we deal with it. And this is and that's like 
just just comes with it. It's no big deal. Absolutely. Uh, but this one, for some reason, feels bigger. <laughs> yeah, no, it for is. sure. It's so <laughs> yeah. much bigger. That was the ordeal. Well, this is a good time to segue, I think, uh, with you guys on our topic of the day. And, you know, let's let's dive into the past. So like you guys said, you've been together for 16 years. And specifically, we, we are having you guys on today because you guys have worked together at bars and restaurants in the past. Humorous. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, and uh, when we had when we had David on the podcast this summer, you know, he, I mean, he brought up we got like a, an appetizer of what it was like with you guys working together, and then we were like, well, we just have to fully do an episode yeah. and hear it from yeah. you together. So and here like, we are, a couple by months appetizer, later. like wasted people like having sex in a back room when like everything's supposed to be closed. Then yeah. my palate is 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 ready for more. Yeah. <laughs> so. Can yeah. I, I mean, and I think the way, you know, we'll do like a little setup here, but I, I think this topic's so great. We never really addressed it, but we, we really kind of want to dive into um, how working with your partner can be such a roller coaster of, uh, you know, good and bad, especially when you're just like working and playing together, like no separation of life and, you know, questioning what in the world's going on. So I, I would love to know, did you two meet because of the service industry? No. Okay. So then you were like, you met and then you're like, let's go get restaurant jobs together. No. <laughs> no. Okay. All right. You tell it then. I didn't live your life. What am I doing? I mean, it's funny because when we did the last episode, I was like, oh, cool. I talked about that one time we worked together in the service industry. And since we did that episode, I was like, well, there's that okay there's also that time and there and then it really occurred to me that like the very nature we've been together since 2004 but we met in 2002 we tried ineffectively for about six months to date and then we did not see each other for a year and a half uh, uh and in that year was when the blackout happened so it was our blackout um <laughs> the big the big new york blackout um jack and i met and I had lived in New York for a couple years. Jack, you had arrived in New York as a fresh graduate of Penn State a week earlier. Yeah. Yeah? Wow. Yeah. And you were getting settled, didn't have a job. And I was just transitioning out of a job at the French Roast on 6th Avenue and 11th Street mm -hmm. into bar backing at Rafifi, where I would eventually be a bartender. And in Jack and I's first few weeks of just drinking so much liquor and going out in Williamsburg so much. I said, why don't you come to French Roast, put in an application. So we had this brief spell during our like ridiculous attempts to date, also working together sometimes at the French Roast. So just a few. It was literally, I think maybe one or two shifts. And, and what I remember going into the French Roast and you had said, you should go to the French Roast. And I didn't really, you know, we, I had just met you. And so I walked in and I didn't say that I knew you. And the managers were like, we're not hiring. And then I saw you a week later and you said, did you tell them you know me? And I said, no. And he's like, dumbass, what are you doing? It's New York. And I was like, I'm Pennsylvania, that's all I know. And uh, I'm I went back in. Yeah, I went back in and I was like, I, I like, it didn't even pop up naturally in the conversation. Like, I just think I walked in and I was like, I know David. And, uh, and they were like, oh, and I said, I'm looking for a job. And, um, and then I got it. Like I got the job immediately. 
And it's that whole thing of like New York. I was having such frustration. I had worked in restaurants since I was 15. And at that time I was 22. And I was like, I have all the experience. Yes, I don't understand. I love it. <laughs> okay. So prior to this, had you guys, were you like dating or were you just buddies that were kind of like, he's cute. He's cute. Was that was what was going on or? We were, we were definitely like, like in beginning stages of like hooking up and okay. like being out a lot. And like, I mean, I mean, and then I think by three or four months later, we broke up because that was. <laughs> well, the, the last time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of the breakups, I think was, yeah, that time. Well, was, I, it, yeah. What's interesting, I think, is that this is kind of like checking so many boxes, like already of the outline we have. It's like, well, like, were you dating? Then you got the job. Were you, did you have the job? Then you started dating. Did you meet on the job? So you guys are kind of like encompassing all of that at the same yeah. time, which is interesting. Yeah, for sure. You're, you're like, totally, and we met at a bar too. So that's, yeah. there's that. It's gone. I think it just went away last year. Did it? Which, which one? The Abbey in Williamsburg, which is such a different Abbey than the Abbey in uh, West Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Sure. yeah. Not remembering that one. Barry in North yeah. Knight. Yeah. Or Chicago. There's, oh. I think there's Abbeys everywhere, oh. everywhere, the Abbey pub, et cetera. Well, right. And so I think just in general, so, okay. So you guys were then, you didn't meet because of the restaurant job, but then at what point was it you then later that David, you brought Jack into like the long stretch of bartending after that? Or how did that go down? Well, it's so funny, you know, like I, whenever, like there's a story I sometimes tell about Jack and I and like how we met and how we reconnected. And part of the joke of the story, and I think Jack, you'd agree now is that, I mean, now we're both over 40 and the space between our ages feels so small, but being 27, having worked at a lot of art galleries and cool places, wearing like a padlock necklace and listening to <laughs> Electro Clash, like, you know, after three, four years in New York versus dating someone who is and I was 27 then, meeting someone who was 22 and just moved here the week before from Pennsylvania. It did feel like our trajectories, I think that's part of why we got together two years later. We had both like, we both kind of changed and shifted and like kind of become more like New Yorkers. And I feel like we actually followed the same service industry uh, service industry trajectory, but like he was behind me because he moved here later. Like I did the restaurant that was, kind of lame and then I became a bar back at a cool place and then I became like the bartender of all the cool shifts. Jack worked at French Roast for a year or two after that then he moved to Brooklyn to a really cool like restaurant in Bushwick then became the bartender like it was almost like the same thing just behind yeah and then but I like you guys it's like hey listen you know I I've already had my cocaine problem I'm trying to get sober we can't have like can we fucking match up you can't just be starting to get your cocaine problem while I'm on my way out right. yeah like Jack Jack was like the girl in sweet bitter <laughs> if you guys don't know that <laughs> It's a, it's a, it's a book about a girl who comes to the big city and has never waited tables before. And then she gets hired at this like posh restaurant and learns all the things about food. And oh. like, and at the same time, like when she learns to enjoy food, she like, she's like, I had an orgasm also, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I remember reading a story, like a review of that in the times. And I think yes. it based it off of Blue Water Girl, which is where she had been had worked. Yes, and yeah. that's um that's a yeah it was a book adapted into a series. It's and now set. a TV show which has so much early aughts like exactly music. It's like all Interpol, like the whole. I know. Hey, what was what was the show called? 
Sweet Bitter. It's it on Stars, oh. and it, it's like it's okay, but I think it's so hard to capture what it is to work in the service industry on film. I just no think question. it's really, really, really difficult. It's yeah. really, um, really hard because it's unstable. There's no, yeah. <laughs> there's no yeah. like, storyline that it, can it, like carry everything through. It, it's yeah. unstable, yet I mean, it's also so strangely repetitive. Right. Like, I almost feel like it, it's so weird that it's both. It's like so unstable. How do you create a narrative around it? But then if you were to follow some kind of like every episode just shifted the bar, that would also be like from the outside, like, oh, great. She's giving someone special menus. Fantastic. <laughs> She's talking like, to the stew. I would love like, if someone just had like a GoPro on their head for a whole shift. That's oh. that's what I was gonna say. I'm like, it needs to be shot like an episode of ER. <laughs> like where yes. like the camera's over the shoulder, you're like rushing out of the kitchen, seeing the doors flap open and Totally. I would, I'd love nothing more than like a busy bar for like the GoPro to be on. And then you just see that one asshole, like waving a $20 bill in the background for like 20 minutes, <laughs> like not getting helped. <laughs> yeah. Oh. The, the problem is they, they got so poetic with it, which is like, this shit ain't poetic. It's poetic right. once you're done and away from it. But while you're in it, you're like, it's wartime, baby. It's, yeah. poetic, it's poetic for the customers. It's never poetic for the people who work there. For the customers, it's designed to be like this wonderful, beautiful experience. And the, the people who work there are not taken into consideration most of the time. I mean, I've definitely worked at places where I'm, I feel like I'm taken care of and I can sort of, you know, uh, uh, speak my mind. But most for most of it, it's like you gotta you just have to suck it up. Totally. You, know, you literally have to suck it up. Um, so if we were talking about rules on what it's like to like date a coworker, right? So when you guys first started working together, did people know you guys were kind of dating or was it, did you not talk about it? Well, we didn't even no, we were dating, yeah. like we yeah. were, it was such a short amount of time. In my mind, we were at French Rose together a lot, but that's because if I was out late at night, you know, French Rose was like not only a cool downtown restaurant, but it was one of the only places open 24 hours. Right. So there are a lot of times I remember us together, I think because Jack was visiting with friends when I was on a shift or more likely I was visiting there when he was on a shift. Totally. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I remember Davey, you know, once you left, it became clear that you and I were getting more serious. And I remember telling our hot God, he was so guy, Oh God, he was the most really underwear model. model. Like he was so beautiful that gay men would come into the restaurant, order coffees and not order anything else and just stare at him. And he knew it too. He was wow. incredibly vain. He was breathtakingly beautiful he's enormous oh. and i remember saying to him shanai uh or something he talked to me about david and i was like oh I, you know david and i are like dating now and and he was like i love david david and uh how did he say your name david? he was like david 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 sometimes there wasn't a d it was like davy which oh yeah me up yeah and then we found out and i was like oh he loves david maybe we could have like a like a threesome, maybe with Shemai. Is Shemai gay? This is great. You should have threesome with your coworkers. It's totally right. <laughs> it does not complicate anything. <laughs> I think this obviously sounds like it's a pretty exceptional case. I mean, he yeah. was like my favorite thing. Groups also of tables, men and women, would come for brunch, and it was really common as you were a waiter to catch them because you know I think. If waiters are good, you shouldn't always feel them watching you. You should almost yes. forget that they're there. 
Yes. And so many times I would catch a table of like four to six people all angling together for like a selfie picture. But what they were doing was getting Shamai over their shoulder and taking a photo of him all fucking wet and hungry. Like I caught gay guys doing it all the time. Like sometimes they would just get Shemai in the picture. Women would be all flustered. Like they were like sugar baker women or something just like, Oh, so hot. And the thing about Shemai that was weird is like Shemai is who I told you Jack to talk to. Cause Shemai, Shemai loved me to the point that I was like, okay, this guy's into it. Like he's in the closet, but some magic's going to happen. It wasn't until years after I worked there, one of my, it was after nine 11. And in, in the heat of all that craziness of working all those shifts and everyone just being like worn down. One time he was like, yes, you know, that is why I love you, Dave. And I was like, oh, what's coming? He's like, yes, because you are just like my brother. And I was like, what? <laughs> I would go on to meet Shemai's little brother who was like a tiny me. Like everything, <laughs> the whole time, all of that forgiveness, people would joke like, well, you're not in trouble even though you're late. You're not in trouble. Well, David, because I was just his little brother. No fuckery at all. No fuck buddy here. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Still, to be held that close and endeared that well by him is probably great. Ah. He's very militaristic. He could be very intense with people. So, Where was he from? Israeli. Oh, God. Israeli army. Israel are gorgeous. Big tan, square jaw, big brow, salt and pepper hair. Those kinds Mm. of, those gray eyes that look like, not like he applied fresh eyeliner, but he had had some on recently that just didn't come all the way off. Like Egyptian-y looking almost? Oh, wow. So you guys have worked together, you know, in different places. Is there like, is there advice that you guys would give us for working together, especially as your relationship progressed? Like, when did you guys move in together? Was it pretty quick? Oh, um, maybe 2005 or six, I think. It was yeah. within the first year of dating again. And, yeah. then I, and then I think, you know, we both worked in the service industry during the years that we worked there. And then we ended up, by the time we left that house, which was also in Williamsburg, we ended up, that was when we really worked together as a couple at a yes. bar in yeah. the Lower East Side, like a That's, bar. Oh, the, the one where you just saw, like, where Everything. you saw the, the hand crawling up the girl's yeah. shirt the guy, and fondling her boobs. The yes. guy peed at the bar while he was yeah. just standing there, like a New urinal. Oh, we All found right. out that had been happening for a long Ooh. time, yeah. T- describe sort of like an understanding or like the mask you put on for work, I guess, is I think what's interesting to understand. Um. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is that the reason I think both of us were okay working together is because the money was obscene. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that helped sort of sort of push past any kind of weirdness, I, I would imagine, in the beginning of like, is this okay working? Um, I already had a job in Brooklyn. Now, I worked at Galapagos Art Space. I was a bartender there. Oh, I... I've definitely known you forever yeah. then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I was happy, but then Davey found, you know, found this job and he, Davey said, you should come work with me. And I was like, I, but I like, I like being the Brooklyn bartender. I like walking to work. I don't want to go to the city and I don't care that it's like a gobs of money. And then I did it. I met the owner and he's so lovely. His name was Gage. And I think I worked the first week and we made like, 
$600 each. And I was like, okay, great. So I'm available all the time. Um, it was insane. Friday, Saturday, wow. or Sunday is fine. It's fine Jack, with me. I got that job? Yes, because you knew Gage. You knew Gage from some previous something. From a film shoot. Yeah. Uh, from a friend of a friend of Randy yeah. Sharp's movie. Yeah, yeah. Got it, got it, got it. Uh, and it was, it, it wasn't, I will say this, in the beginning, we had no idea that it was going to end up being the thing that it became. In the beginning, it was this like really beautiful basement bar that like at night turned into a really swank, like cool, um, just very relaxed, like celebrities booked it out immediately and we yep. would work celebrity parties. It was very sort of that kind of vibe. Um, there were only like five people who worked there throughout its entire three years. Like we, we, no one left this place because the money was so great. God, um, the, the, the place was like a mullet. It was very like business in the front and party in the back because <laughs> it used to be a very beloved Indian restaurant called, Jack, do you remember? Shea Sada. Moroccan. Yes. Oh, Moroccan. It was a Moroccan restaurant. And the way that it worked was upstairs. If you were to pass by, you think what a charming, fairly small cafe, big, beautiful bar, espresso machine, like maybe like six, two tops or something. But there was a stairway in the back of it that led to literally the most sprawling underground basement. That was where the bulk of the restaurant, like when it was a restaurant, that area would have right. easily seated like 30, 40 more people. Oh, yeah. Totally. So when they turned it into this this club in the daytime it looked like a cafe like it was. Uh, there it was, was a, a whole it was a coffee shop yeah kira knightley would come there when she was living in that area for tea i mean it was that kind of place like oh do you want to go to the cafe where i always see kira knightley having chamomile with her journal in the window but what you <laughs> didn't know was that in the daytime it was just like girls with cross eyes and chunks of vomit and like bleeding from their open-toed <laughs> shoes from broken glass while fucking Miley Cyrus partying in the USA blared like, I want another blueberry stolly Red Bull. It was the craziest, it was such a crazy place because oh. it was like no one knew. People in the daytime, you would never know. And the yeah. fact that there was no, you couldn't even like feel that residual energy like at all is so funny to me. I think the only place you could ever probably feel the residual energy was the days that like a bartender from downstairs, like Lindsay or Brittany or someone was working upstairs. Right. You could literally feel their hangover, probably, like as you were getting like your, you know, your biscuit or scone yes, or whatever. Because the, the upstairs at night would turn into a bar. And so, but no one wanted to be up there. It was basically where people went and like, maybe started the night and then they would like bum rush the downstairs and then that bartender dealt with everyone having to leave and asking for waters and no one ever wanted to work that one because you made less money. I don't think mm -hmm. you pulled downstairs, but upstairs was kind of its own thing. You made less money and it was boring because you weren't, you weren't working. You were just standing there making like a drink and you'd have to fucking talk to people. And it was like, I don't, I don't, this yeah. is not why I have this job. Like this job is fast and furious. I have my earplugs in. Mm -hmm. I'm looking straight at you. I can read your, your mouth. You can scream as loud as you want. doesn't matter. I got to protect myself. You, what do you want? <laughs> okay, great. Thank you. And then upstairs, it was just like. Seats. Well, there were no seats downstairs. So upstairs, it was a seated bar. Like wow. you could get wrangled into some bullshit. Yeah. It was like, it was like, like Lonely Hearts Club and you yeah. were taking yeah. requests. Yeah. Yes. Even when it was busy, then you still had because it would get crazy upstairs, to be fair. Still, it would get crazy. A lot of people yeah. would get pissed downstairs and be like, I'm roaring upstairs, you got Patron. 
And then you had to deal with the barrier of people sitting with people screaming over them and that whole conflict. While downstairs, you just had like a standing, very tall service bar, plastic. Well, by the time we they closed, we'd moved entirely to plastic. Yeah. Even wow. shots. Like, we would charge, Jack, how much was a Patron shot at that place? Oh, at Eight. the time, I mean, I think... I think it's a little bit more now, but at the time it was thirteen or fourteen dollars for a patrol. Yeah, that's a in, lot. In a plastic little solo cup. Wow. On your black Amex. Like it's crazy. It was and you guys probably didn't like have to pour heavy there, like at all. That wasn't like you probably didn't I mean, did you pour heavy there? I actually I remember thinking this um kind of recently. Cause I still bartend. I bartend private parties out here in LA and I remember one moment uh, about like six months ago and I was like, oh my God, I am a heavy pour. What happened to me? Like, <laughs> me too. Like I was yeah. just like, I didn't even think about it. I've been about it. And I think a customer was like, wow. And I went, there you go. You know, and <laughs> I don't even think about it anymore, but I think I was a heavy pour at Arlen Esme. Yeah, I really are. genuinely think that I contributed to the madness, not in the best way. Like I, I, <laughs> I, I, I it's not good. Like I was not a, an owner's favorite bartender. Like I would, I gave, I didn't give shit away, but like, I definitely like if someone asked me for, well, no, that's not true. If someone asked me for a strong drink, I deliberately gave them a weak drink. Cause that's oh, just, sure. uh, that's just 101 for bullshit right. requests. Right. Totally. totally. Yeah. And I love like the jerky can you, and make it strong, but my favorite make it strong is that, and they mainly came from, from women because they sounded like this. Yeah, could I just get a Bacardi and Coke and could you make it a little strong? Like like the thrown away, the thrown away, like, hey. oh, by the way, could you get my jacket? Like it, it felt like that when it was and, really like, can you give me free stuff? And also too, what was really great is that like Davey and I, you know, people just, I think, assume that we're straight men behind a bar. So those girls would do that thinking, oh, you know, like if I'm going to be cute and flirt with you and, you know, you know, whatever that thing they're thinking is going to happen to the bartender. And I, in my head, laugh every time. I just like, I'm like cackling in my head being like, <laughs> you're not getting anywhere near me, like ever. And you're getting a weak drink on top of it. Fuck off. And then it's this, it's this like beautiful inside, not, I mean, not joke, obviously, but like in like, yeah, like the the jokes on them. You guys, you guys are in the know. You guys are together. What a f how fun! We had so many inside things. One of our favorite things because one of the things about the demographic of this place is that there were a bunch of like American psycho Christian Bale type dudes there. There were a lot of like uh, like trust fund money dudes, like Goldman Sachs dads working into the company type guys that were like you know morality wise nightmare people but very nice to look at um some sure. very some very chiseled gymmed out like equinox like uh smelled good dudes and jack and i we had a few different codes to like say from the bar that someone was like super fucking hot <laughs> and one of the things we developed this is my favorite there were there were some there were some dudes that would come in and they would be like these like financial, you know, Wall Street bros, tight shirt, all gymmed out, beautiful physique. And just from the neck up, like, you know, they got bullied, just kind of a nightmare. And they became bow ties. We'd be like, be like, hey, just bow tie. And it meant someone not so nice to look at, but wow, if their shirt wasn't on, it would really be something. <laughs>
it's a little bit of a butterface, but for really privileged, emotionally unavailable, rude white men. Kind of. It's like a very specific. It's regional. <laughs> well, no, we didn't discriminate. We, we were very... I mean, we had a heavy Indian uh, 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 population. Mm-hmm. Clientele, like, if you will. Clientele, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. And there were some bow ties in the, and there were definitely some bow ties in, in that, uh, that. Oh, well, we also had Narm. I think oh, Narm, yeah. I think we were watching Six Feet Under then when Nate has a stroke and right before he has it, he says, Narm, Narm. And we always thought, God, Nate is so ripped. That actor has such great arms. So Narm became i think the code for like that guy's got a great arm is like norm yeah yeah i I never really paid attention to the norms like it was never a thing and then when davy would call it would say norm i was like oh god he's like really paying attention to this person and i could care less but okay he's got nice arms uh like uh, uh, that type of dude i think is more in my wheelhouse than you and i think your type of dude is more like Cillian Murphy, half-shaped head, uh, just woken up at the beginning of the zombie movie. Is your uh, like, yes? Did you guys ever fight? Like, did you ever go to work when you guys were fighting and you had to work a shift together? I got it. Probably. I feel like we never had like big. I mean, you know, near the end of Arlo and Esme for me is when I started to enter what would be like almost the worst, like autoimmune Crohn's thing Mm -hmm. I ever had. And that was hard, but that wasn't so much about fighting. I think it was just, you know, if you work in the service industry and whether it's something passing through, like you've hurt yourself or, I mean, I've worked with so many bartenders over the years who are women who are like, it's really hard. I'm on my period. This fucking sucks. Yeah. Or whether you've just like thrown your back out, lifting a keg, whatever. That shit is always hard. But when it's that way a little chronically and someone that you know at home that knows you sees it it's weird because it's like it's like you can't do that thing where you're just like okay i'm just gonna shake it off and be cute and sexy and sell some drinks and do the work it 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 was that was weird feeling so bad when i went into some shifts before i quit near the end and being with with you was weird yeah i hated that i would always look over because it was a three-person bar and Davey and I rarely worked next to each other. I always, we, we had sort of set up shop at very specific parts and I was always on the far right, you were on the far left and then uh, either Thais or Lindsay would be in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. And um, no, I guess, I don't know why. I don't remember how that happened, but I remember looking at towards the end and you would have to lift something or like do something that required a lot of heavy lifting and you, your back hurt so much and it fucking killed me. I was just like, he should not be here. This is terrible. This is like, this, this is, this is not worth it, you know? And that was kind of the beginning, Davey, I think for both of us and for you of like recognizing the limitations that we have sometimes in this job. And that like, that's why you had to go, you know? Cause mm-hmm. it was like, it was too much for you. You just couldn't handle it. Yeah. If I can speak for you. Yeah, no, it's true. And and that was sort of coming right when I'd started working with Kevin Allison some. So I started teaching at the story mm-hmm. student, you know, through the, at the pit storytelling. And so it was kind of organic, but I mean, I'm glad other stuff happened because I wouldn't have been able to, 
I wouldn't have been able to work, you know, two months later out of a flare feeling great. I could probably do that. Even the idea of working a bartending shift right now. That's like my actor nightmare of like you go on stage and you don't know the lines and everyone else does. My version of that is just being thrown behind a bar right now supposedly with someone thinking, well, he's did this for years. He'll be fine. And me just being like, oh, like, no, like, what's gin? You know, like, I, 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 I feel like there's something kind of fantastic, you know, when you're talking about, you know, the benefits, which it sounded like there were a lot of benefits and a lot of fun in working together and having a solid relationship at home and at work that Jack could also see something that you weren't even ready to see yet or would have been afraid to leave on your own, but having your partner knowing that this is just not good for you and then having two sets of, you know, eyes and experiences yeah. to be like, it's time, it's time to go. Cause sometimes when we're by ourselves and no one's encouraging us to make a positive change, it can take longer. But when someone who loves you is there and is like, yeah, go. Like you have my blessing, you know? Yeah, that's on point, a, sure. Yeah, but it, and it was also, and on the flip side of that too, it was also like our lifestyle. You know, I think, mm -hmm. I think it's hard to date. You know, I mean, I know so many people that have worked in the service industry and there was someone that doesn't. And there, has, there have been conflicts around like the time that they get up, the time that they get home. Um, how do you not uh, annoy each other? Are you on a different meal schedule? Like what shows do I have to save because we have to watch them together? And the thing about working with Jack is, you know, it, it was nice kind of having that person. I mean, Arlo and Esme, we wouldn't shut that, that place really down until at earliest 5.15, 5.30. So by the time, because last call was four in New York, and then by the time we'd get home, we had our ritual, the sun would be coming up and we would uh, pound water and watch the Battlestar Galactica that we recorded <laughs> because we were obsessed with it. And it was like our ritual. And then we would go to bed. And I think now about like, now I think about that and I'm like, fuck that. Yeah. I bet you start to get weird. You start to feel weird. Yes. Like, you, yeah. Like, did I do cocaine all night or what, or that feeling, yeah. whatever that feeling is. And yeah, and we didn't, and we didn't do uh, drugs. We just were so, that was like our schedule. We were so amped up. We were usually by the end so mad because it wasn't just a bartending shift. It was yelling at people. It was negotiating with drunks. It was flashing a light for a security guard. It was, is that girl too drunk to be like touched like that? Is that person, I mean, it was, yeah. It got nuts. So you you be you serve suddenly as like on the floor bouncers instead of just bartenders too. It's like you also become yeah. end of the night calling the shots like mm -hmm. you, yeah, you're, you're adult like, babysitters. The morality mm -hmm. police in a way. Yeah. yeah. And it was also like it's kind of like your house. I don't know if y'all ever felt this way when you worked at a place, but there was also a part of me that should have gone straight home at five. But sometimes we would stay because there was this idea that like we cleared the place the bar back swept god he's such a sweet guy and i haven't gotten to talk to him at all and i and i want to talk to him about his record he cut and Lindsay, i yelled at her earlier about the beer and i know that girl for years right. like, can we just have a drink there was also that you know and jack you went through this with the place you worked i think after this too this idea that the the community of the play it is really a lifestyle like if you let it become one there's also then than the hangout part, the social part. Totally, um, absolutely. Well, it almost yeah. sounds too like, like the ritual of it is reclaiming the energy 
that you want the place to have, which yeah. is like, let's clear, you know, like, like your version of burning sage is like, let's all say positive things, have a drink with just us. Cause now that the fuckwads are all gone. Yes. Yeah. You know, so yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it was in a basement too. So that was easy to, to forget. Just like we would walk out at six and the sun would be coming up and be like, Oh, it's six. I love that you guys shared this chaos together. Um, I want to get more general and broad and just like break down what it is to kind of date your coworker, work with your significant other, just more on a broad spectrum, because we've all, I think, known that couple that is a couple that maybe they've been there. They've been together for a long time and work together. Um, there's so many, there's, there's, there's your coworkers that hook up and get together while you're all working together which let's chat about that. That's always weird when you know someone's hooked up and they're like dating. Yeah, I never had, I feel like at French Roast, there was some of that, but so much of that, so much of the waiters and waitresses at that place, downtown New York, 24 hour mm -hmm. restaurant, they came and went. I mean, they were literally from all yes. over the world coming and going. I would find out people had hooked up just in time for one of them to no longer be on the schedule. <laughs> like it was so, the yeah. turnover was so insane. Yeah. Arlo and Esme, there was one hook, there was one hooking up, which you probably can't talk about. It was. Oh, right. Yeah, remember? <laughs> so they just, they just mouthed words that we didn't understand. And there they go with their bartender fucking communication. The, okay. The, was yeah. it Arlo and Esme? No. <laughs> <laughs> there was a there was a thing where there was a hookup and I always kind of thought it was very lovely because I really did like all those people I mean mm -hmm. we, we all had our things and some of us drank too much sometimes and some of us smoked too much and some of us x y and z but like I there was a very loving hookup at that place that yeah. did not work out and was in no way destined to be a long-term relationship yeah. but I think it was one of those things where people offered each other some fun and solace in a crate in a pretty hectic environment that they it's, both knew was temporary it's like as the boss said you know i ain't looking for prayers or pity you know i'm coming around looking for too much all i want is someone to talk to yeah. and a little of that human touch Very <laughs> human touch i was like which what is it which one is it there we go I, yep. I think you get the people that like hook up and they're together for a while but then they break up and it's ugly and one of them has to end up quitting and Haven't, that's a real thank God thing. had that. Did you, Jack, did you ever have that when you worked out in Bushwick at that place? Um, uh, <laughs> what was it called? No, in Bushwick, I, I was hooking up with the customers and that was not good. <laughs> oh yeah. That's an, that's another episode. Yeah. Oh, you're so right. Oh <laughs> yeah. I, I had a better, um, I had a better batting average with customers than coworkers. Yes. <laughs> At a girl. <laughs> yeah, and that's definitely a surefire way to like make sure the customers don't ever come back if of course the hookups stop, right? Then that person <laughs> Yeah, so. that's very true. I think too, you know, and and like I think it it's you know 
corporate jobs, political, you know, in the political world, like you cannot, you cannot no open fraternizing. Yeah. There's no fraternizing. Yeah. You have to be either upfront with it and someone has to step down or you have to live a complete secret life. And that's not how it is in a restaurant. It's just more that you have to read the room and feel what the vibe is and what the code is at your specific place of work, which I absolutely recommend friends read the room. Also being the new girl who comes in, um, everyone's being cool and playing coy. And then if you're not, if you don't have the scoop, you're going to start hitting on everyone who's clearly married to like the other, you know, the bartender who's yeah. married to the waitress and you're like, Hey, and then everyone's like, you fucking ass, you know, <laughs> And so I think there's a lot of, yeah, get, you know, like we say, ask the busser what's going on. The busser always knows everything. It's true. Uh, I know. Um, I think we've talked about for sure, like, you know, some of the downsides of like working with your significant other with you, David, specifically, like not feeling great, but did you guys, I mean, any other downsides you guys would think of working together or working with a significant other? I think other than just like, going straight from home to work and all that you know i feel like it's been pretty it's been pretty good did you have an, one more down just looking at me so much jack no 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 i'm just thinking like more broad you know i think it's just like it is like maybe if you're fighting before it is if like you you literally like work the same shifts live in the same house are together all the time you know yeah i i think that and you know i think Davey and I talk have talked about this as like one of the things that pops up in a relationship, which is um, sort of, and I think it's a double-edged sword, but I think that this sort of accountability of your behaviors and your actions while working at a bar and restaurant, if you are with your partner who's maybe also doing that, then you're both drunk and maybe high at six in the morning in a cab, staying up till seven, sleeping till noon, um, and then sort of starting all over again for like four days straight. There is a camaraderie with that kind of experience, but let's be honest, that's not a healthy life. That's not a way that, that in, in retrospect, I wish I didn't do. And I think I wasted a lot of years constantly sort of working through that cycle of, oh, well, now I got to work until four in the morning and then I'm going to have my whiskey and then I'm going to smoke like four packs, not four packs, but four cigarettes in a row. And then I'm going to, you know, and all the nasty habits that the restaurant industry sort of offers all of us and the bar industry, um, I think... Dave and I supported each other with that kind of behavior. Sure. We call and, it enabling. Oh, yes. Thank you. So enabling is the word I'm looking for. Financially, right? too. No, yeah. no, I mean, no, I mean, like, you know, we, we, had, we had that schedule. I mean, I think back about the money that we would have now, maybe in a savings or invested, but yeah. why would we be so tired and make ourselves lunch when there's so many restaurants? I mean, like, <laughs> right. so much money eating out. Like, right. Yeah. You, you earn large and then you live large because that's unfortunately just the name of the game. Because yeah. it all, it, cause it comes and it goes so fast that you just yeah. earned it after one tough night, you know? And then you're like, look at all this money I have. So it, it doesn't have that same patience and feeling of getting a paycheck two times, a, you know, a month or maybe even once a month where you're like, ee, I better, you know, 
I better dole this out. Yeah, that, that's what I would say to any, if, if I knew a young person right now, if I knew a young person <laughs> working in that industry right now, the advice I give them wouldn't be about careful with who you hook up with, uh, careful with drinking or partying too much. Like that's just par for the course. If you live in a big city, if you're in LA or New York or Detroit or Chicago or Austin, and you're in that field, have fun. You're 20 right. something, go nuts. I mean- Start a savings account. Start a you, savings account and go grocery shopping once in a while. Right. That, that's the main thing I say. I mean, the sad shitty thing now is that like the, the industry is now like in a purgatory, right? right? Like there's a lot of this that's not happening. It will be back. Like all of this, everybody will get back to fucking each other eventually in this, this industry, <laughs> you know? Well, I, I had a thought pop up too, though. You know, the, the one side of it where you were calling it enabling, which is nice because at least you were both like, we're both in a phase of both being okay with enabling each other. Yep. And yeah. then you both decided to strive for more in your life and then to have that person who really gets what you're trying to transition out of and into is also it's so nice to be understood as a service industry person because it's a lifestyle that like if you you know I mean I've I've dated a lot of normies when I've been a service industry vampire and they don't get it. They've yeah, never right. done that hustle. They always know there's money coming in and how much they're going to make in a year. And they have to go to bed at 10 every night. And for them to maybe not understand the overhaul of your whole fucking life to get on a different path and not be support. It sucks. I've been through it. Yeah. When you're dating someone who doesn't understand you're doing two times the amount of work instead of being like, I want to get into this. It's like, oh, I have to change my entire social trajectory. Like people yeah. don't understand. I didn't watch TV for 10 years because I was working in New York at night, every night we're doing comedy. That's not what nine to fivers lives are like. Right. You know? And that's great though that you did comedy. I mean, for me, the, the, like the key is, and I did comedy. Cause one of the things yeah. that I started talking about my, or whatever service industry work in the past tense, I always want to be clear that I'm not judgy about it. For me, oh, no. for me, working in that industry while also pursuing your craft, they're not mutually exclusive things. Unfortunately for me, knowing me, and I think Jack, you're saying the same thing, for, for a substantial phase of time, the work was so tiring, so all-encompassing, so consistent, that I didn't have the energy or will to give more than like 25 or 30% of what I really had to give to the totally. building, yeah. you know, and I wish I could have either found an effective way around that. Cause I still think I could have worked all those shifts, but drunk less, but not stay out as late, but not sure. have the cigarettes, but not, but it's hard. It's just but hard. you, you guys did do it together, which is, you know, yeah. which is a memory you shared together and you did have a lot of fun and now you're doing other things. Like you guys are, you know, this couple that's worked together through the years in and out of service jobs that are still together. And we all know those people too, who, you know, I met a, a couple, I think they're still together. They got, they got hooked up and <laughs> at Buca de Beppo and now they're hey, married, they're the married and they have children, oh, you know, on, where, is it? where is it? Oh, okay, I did it on. already. I'm, all right. I got one too. <laughs> oh, we all both got bells. <laughs> um, so there's that, you know, there, there's all these really fun, success stories and to go back and have these these memories you guys share even where you were young and you were you were maybe not like the best with your time but fuck it you had a you had a good time and it was weird and now you have memories I right completely agree and i and i think that that's the double-edged sword that i was thinking about and trying and like mentioned earlier is that like 
you know, we went through it together and we supported each other through the hard times and we understood where we were at that time and were supportive of each other so that now we look back and can go, I understand why I behaved that way. I think I understand why you were behaving that way at that time because I lived it and you lived it and we know what that's like. And I have always said that I think, I think, you know, artists need to date other artists. Like (laughs) I think people in the service industry should date other people in the service industry because it is unique as fuck and uh, nothing against the nine to fivers who have to go to jobs from nine to five. But like you were saying, like, there has to be an under a base understanding of what this kind of job will do to you and your life. And then to your loved ones, just right. because you're bringing that home. And if your husband or wife is a banker, they're not going to get it. And it's not, I just don't think it's going to work. Yeah. <laughs> Plus it is really fun when you're like, you know, cause Brian bartended at a really awesome restaurant I loved. So I'd go and see him on my off nights and he'd come see me on his off nights and you get to like bounce around and like get a little bit more, you know, like you just get more of an experience and you get more hookups everywhere. Yeah. I just think, I just think because everybody's so interconnected, it's so great. We've, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. So many fun stories. I mean, the the third, the last service industry job we had together was cater wait- waitering for like yes. a few years in Brooklyn right before we moved for our, our dear, dear friend. Right. And for me, some of my favorite memories, and I know we're running out of time, are those because there was a really cool and interesting difference in working with, I mean, Maria, who runs the business, is like, is literally like my, the Italian aunt I wish I had. She's just this really cool lady who like started her own business, does her own thing. The people that worked for her, a lot of them we knew were brought to her. And it was kind of like doing that, but taking out the broken glass, all the tea pain, the guys peeing on the bar, all the weird stuff. And then being in someone's like fabulous home who was in the middle of celebrating something with like my own kind of chosen family and my husband in a kitchen, like chopping vegetables. Totally. Like some, some of my favorite memories of working with you in that capacity, Jackie, are of from that time. Because I love it was that. Also, yeah, because it was also like looking into other families. I mean, that was also kind of like, oh. And you're, but you're like, I'm an adult. I know how to do this. We're all adults. Mm-hmm. We're all working together. I definitely have friends who met their significant other and now spouse through the restaurant industry. It's so normal. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. My brother is married to his wife and they met at Perkins Family Restaurant and Bakery where we were. Oh my God, I love it. French silk pie as a wedding cake, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Silk pie, holy crap. This to me is more of like, this is the true Romeo and Juliet. This is like the Montague and Capulet, someone from the front of the house hooking up with somebody from the back of the house. Oh yeah. Yeah. Controversial, huh? I, used yeah. to, I hooked up with a guy who was a cook at Applebee's. Um, he was last year. Was, no, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> He's been my COVID comfort. <laughs> I, I was 18. I had just come out, and he was 30. He was this like beautiful black man, and he just gave me a smile, and I was like, "I'm in. Let's do it." There, and My, then, micro, microwave me something delicious to eat right yeah. i'll meet you yeah totally i'll meet you in the walk-in like that's oh, fun that's and we'll stand yeah. next to all the pre-packaged sealed foods that go into different various <laughs> microwaves now jack and david did you guys did you guys make out at work you guys hook up at work 
Um, well, I'm going to have to say that that probably did not feel sexy time while you were babysitting drunks. Yeah, but when you were at the French restaurant, like maybe because things were okay. newer. No. 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 If there was admirable. Any- if there was any place that we were intimate, it was probably not like making out. It was more of like, a, um, because I even think I remember a few times where like at Arlo and Esme, you know, we got everyone out by 4.15, got everything spick and span, did all the money, 5.15. I, there were nights I remember being in that downstairs around the pool table with like a dozen people, a few of the DJ's friends, the boss, a friend sitting around smoking cigarettes and like a girl or someone looking at us like, and all of a sudden kind of being like, what? Cause I realized that we were like cozy, like that I was, we were like sitting together, like a, a couple. Yes. So I think that there was some like intimacy, but I don't think, I mean, Arlo and Esme, it's a fun bar, but I don't think there's anywhere there that I would feel comfortable doing anything physical. Oh, God, like, no. I, mean, <laughs> I just, I mean, I mean, that oh. place might be the origin of COVID-19. <laughs> I mean, the other thing that popped up in my mind, I think this is, and this would be my perspective, is because you guys, you know, as as gay men, who gay men just so much, with so much more ease, love to praise other good looking snacks, <laughs> you know, of men. And that's, and that is not, not necessarily a hetero man you know man and woman couple dating dealing with like the waitress being hit on by businessmen the bartender having drunk girl like it gets nasty unless you're really really secure in one another and i think there's some real you know advantageousness to both being on the same team having a fun little secret pretending you're straight knowing that yeah. neither of you are interested yeah well, well I mean, we didn't really- can i Oh yeah. I was going to say, I was going to tell a real quick story about how that backfired because I had to consciously not hit on women. Like I had to consciously not give them any kind of like look of, Hey, what's up? You know, because it was that kind of atmosphere and I would get that kind of energy. And I remember one time I was working at the upstairs bar and I forgot and I just started talking to this one woman and we really connected. And the whole time I'm just thinking, you're really cool. And I was like complimenting her hair, you know, and, and I, I didn't think anything of it. And known, she, anyway. Yeah, and then, if she wanted said something nice about her hair, I would have been like, she wanted the gay. gay. <laughs> well, I mean, like I was, I just wasn't thinking about gay or straight at all. I was just thinking like human, human, you know, you're hanging out with me because I'm like the slow bartender and this is fun and you're actually like a nice person. And she came back, she left the bar and she came back a half hour later, walked right up to me and she said, why didn't you give me your number? Or why didn't you ask me for my number? And I was like, sorry. And she said, why didn't you do no. that? And I looked at her and I went, I'm a homosexual. <laughs> and she literally, her whole face just went like that. Oh no. And then she got like a big smile and she was like, oh, Okay. <laughs> and I was like, and then I just apologized. I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't know that that was, I'm just sorry. I'm just really sorry. I just thought you were a really fun, cool person to talk to. And her intentions were completely different. And I totally oh just God. didn't think about it. Jack was, Jack was the snack behind the bar. Like my favorite stories from Arlen is May is one night I'm bartending and I look down at the bar and Jack is trying to cut off a girl. 
she's clearly she looks like the cookie monster her eyes are going different directions she's just like she's blasted right but i can't really hear them over the over the music and because she's holding out money and then i see her friends like other girls behind her like it's not worth it tiffany like almost like they're trying to like pull her away from a fight or something and finally it's so on my side of the bar, so I ease down, and what I hear the girl holding out the $20 bill say, and what she's been saying the whole time is, just kiss me, please kiss me, waving a $20 bill in his face, and her friends are like, Brittany, stop it. Like, Brittany, stop, stop it. Stop. And that was when I was like, wow, like, I mean, Jack, when you were just like, because this place had that kind of energy, I mean, it did. Not just flirt with the bartender, but offer him a $20 bill for a French kiss. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I, t- I, I made one money. I made like 10 bucks once by actually saying, all right, why not? I'll, g- I'll give her, I'll give him a kiss. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I hope that starts some fights with you guys. Just oh, something needs to shake oh, it up. You oh, perfect little couple. Um, you guys are definitely like models for how to make your relationship last and stick and stay together while working in the service industry together. You know, I think if we have any parting advice, it's like, don't be, don't fight. Don't be obvious weirdos. Just be regular, normal people and do your job when you're together uh, working in these jobs. And um, hold each other accountable, you know, Uh, be understanding during the times of, you know, when you are all on the wild streak, you know, see if you can sync up those wild streaks and then both get on the train when you decide you want at least to do your job with a healthier, you know, sort of, uh, because that's a great thing is is with a significant other. If you're on that schedule, like you're talking about, you can be like, dude, babe, we said we were getting up early, seizing the day, jogging, going to do healthy lifestyle things before we go back into the fucking bowels of hell you know yeah. yeah and i think if the uh if the romance is really there and meant to last hr hr will get it <laughs> <laughs> well well jack just i mean i guess what was it like a year and a half ago jack stopped you know he worked at a restaurant here in la oh yeah he, he'd been teaching more and more piano you had like five or four you were teaching four or five people and you were like right. i'm gonna quit my job in a week and quit doing this kind of work altogether and i'm gonna teach piano and i remember you know, it's been such a long part of our history together being like that little panic, right? Because you think about money and da da da. And here we are. And he currently has 20, 25 five students. Incredible. In time thing. So, and so teaching, teaching them remotely because yep. you can teach piano remotely. So, congratulations. I'm, I'm glad you're able to stay busy and keep income flowing. Absolutely. Thanks. I feel really lucky. Uh, to uh, be in the situation I'm in. And I also recognize that it's of my doing and I'm really like proud of myself in a way because I was in that sort of state of mind where my only income in my head was a bar or restaurant. And then once I stopped thinking that way, it was like, well, I gotta, I should just do something else. So- Absolutely. But also be, I wanna, if I could just end that thought with like being okay with where you're at is like kind of, something I always think about when it comes to restaurants and bars, especially with all my friends who are still there, you know? Yes. It's just like, just be okay with where you are. And if you're unhappy, you can go. You don't have to stay. You just don't have to stay. You can find a better place to work. 
or or be okay with where you're at because you don't know when a pandemic's going to take away your job. So Very true. Or true. your yeah. or your partner and loved your loved ones from or, I mean as far as quarantining like quarantine. Oh my goodness. By the way, if you think to text or email us tomorrow if you get the all clear, that'd be awesome. We would love to hear your guys' update. We want we would love if you guys want to live stream your live stream your reunion for us. <laughs> uh I think we <laughs> And we will, and just to all my friends, because we know so many people that work in this industry who are really struggling right now. Yeah. And I've been having talks with a few people who seem to, even though they need it, they don't know what's available right now for them. So if you're listening to this and you work in the service industry, that instinct, because I know when I did it, like your mind is like, well, this is how I make money. Job gone, no money. There are things now you can do. So go to all the websites in your state, mm -hmm. all the federal websites. There's there's so many, there are really a lot of options. Totally. And we absolutely have been updating uh, our listeners um, constantly on new, um, you know, like projects and funds and everything. So we're definitely trying to keep everybody afloat on what their rights are and their options are. So, awesome. my God. Well, well Jack and David, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Well, that was a great episode. I feel so strong about it. I love doing this. I'm so glad we're able to keep doing this, Brooke. Uh, Andrea, I cried yesterday. Tears of just gratitude for the fact that we have a platform that keeps us in line and connects us to listeners who you guys are so sweet telling us that you appreciate that we're still recording. Because like, just so you know, like this is helping us so much so much absolutely and just like being able to talk to nick and amber wow what a treat like yes we want to you're killing it we'll, we'll try and figure out if we can uh facetime or skype with more of you as this grows and goes on if you've got some really cool stories to share um you're our feet on the ground right now uh all right well we'll be back next week and you know what we say oh well godspeed and good health. Thanks, you guys. Have a great, safe week. Stay safe. Stay home. We'll talk to you soon. Love you.